Come back home to Africa. Come back home. 
New Orleans, Louisiana, the land of my ancestors and those who came before me along this hoodoo obeya life path and journey, passing down the great obeya thick along with the knowledge of the life-giving herbs, roots, minerals, rituals, indeed the legacy, the history, the foundation behind many of our very presence in this moment in time space. And as my beloved Denise Augustine would say, our sacred stories, please visit us at www.OurSacredStories.com for your tours, plus experience, reservations, RSVPs, get in contact with us before you come to the city. Get in contact with us a month ahead of time, maybe, you know, and let us know that you're coming. And we indeed can book and schedule you for the most uh, profound tour and experience in New Orleans that you can have anywhere. I'm always humbled and honored, appreciative of those of you who come and be a part of this sacred space that we create here in the middle of the day, 12 noon U.S. Central Standard Time, and whatever time it might be where you are. I'm always honored that you take the time out of the middle of your day to be a part of the creation of this sacred space. For indeed, the creation of sacred space is critical to all that we might do, all that we are, who we are, where we might be in the universe at any moment in time space. And particularly this moment in time space that we operate in right now. Yes, it's a blessing to be alive. It's invigorating to be alive. It is indeed magic and voodoo and spirituality and religion and and all of those things that you might want to put on it in this moment to be present, to not be on the other side pushing for change, to not be under the ground in a position not to affect change, not to take that next step, not to ask for that forgiveness one more time, not to make up, not to come together. We can't waste not one moment, not one day, and particularly not right now. The level of craziness that's going on right now on your TV, in news, in your social media about the TV, and the news, it's just, it's hard to fathom. I, I don't think some of the most creative fiction writers could have produced, could have written what we're living through, what we're experiencing right now. And it's something powerful about the human makeup, our ability to sort of temper warning, temper shock, temper danger. And some of us, some of us are going about our regular routine, our normal way of of doing things and aren't quite tuned in to what's happening at the White House, what's happening in the election, what's happening in the weather. We're up against another hurricane here in New Orleans. Uh, Right now it's looking like a major hurricane. Uh, and we've had a few of those this summer, you know, back to back. 
uh, Hurricane Alley, we are. Uh, the, the COVID-19, pay attention, beloved, pay attention. And not just here. If you have internet, if you have a device, you have your own internet, your own global, worldwide uh, situation rooms. So check the news in other countries, check the news in other locations to get a better understanding of, of what's happening sometimes right here in our own own country. I heard somebody say the other day, Putin and his tappers and hackers might have the most accurate information about what's going on in the White House uh, because from what I've heard, that they aren't using secure communications, you know, the, the Trump family. So we must, like never before, like never before, those of us who call ourselves healers, ministers, spiritualists, woke, conscious, like never before. Some of you showed up a little bit early during the 11 o'clock hour, and I played a, a video uh, resharing the history of Father Divine. Father Divine was a, a spiritualist, leader, activist, uh, some would say a product of, of the Garvey movement, a uh, hundred years to predate where we are right now. And there's so many similarities in what was going on during that time uh, in our community as well as in the world, in the world in which fueled a great deal of what was happening in our community. And so a hundred years ago, you know, we're talking about post-Garvey, a new dispensation, you know, a new time. Uh, I believe we're talking about before uh, World War II, 1920. Yeah, maybe before World War I. And wait a minute, my American history ain't that good now. I know it's before uh, World War II. Around the same time, yeah. So this this would have been in the same time period. World War One, 1914, 1918. We're, we're talking around the same time period. Um, and so our community, our people, and when I say ours, for some of you who are a little sensitive, I'm talking about everyone. When you look at the Father Divine movement, there was about 10% uh, Caucasian participation in that movement. Um, yet it was very attractive to Garveyites who were seeking the next Garvey, the next movement that felt like Garvey, that felt like liberation. Um, in my opinion, they weren't necessarily looking to replace Garvey himself, but they were looking for uh, a community that felt like the community that Garvey was creating. And so this was, you know, a multi-ethnic community based in, in, in spiritualist ideas and practices, which involved a great deal of, of what we now are looking at as hoodoo, conjure, orisha worship. I didn't say romance, orisha worship um, and acknowledgement. That was also part of this, but also the politics the liberation, the two have never been separated. And I say it all the time. 
since and even before Guacamole, before the Black Pig, before the Haitian Revolution, there has never been a, a separation between spirituality, religion, politics, governance, and, and how a community governed itself, how a community operated at, at any given point. So these movements, a hundred years predating us today, um, were fueled by the desire for equity, liberation, freedom, the truth, you know, in, in how we are being governed and, and who is governing, and of course how that then shows up economically, uh, financially, health, wellness, housing, you know, all the real world manifestations in our community. Uh, because let's keep it real, you know, when we look at the ATR community, when we look at the Black Witch community, when we look at spiritual practitioners of various and device types, diverse types, when we look at astrology and numerology, etc., the bottom line is how does that show up in your life? The bottom line is how does that affect your everyday movement? The bottom line is how does it help you to get through and to move through your blocks, your issues, your complications, I dare say your struggles, those things that would otherwise challenge you in everyday existence. I often say, even in my consultations, how is that working for you? How is that working for you? We, we live in a time where people want to do what they want to do, want to live the way they want to live, want to create their own rules and regulations, protocols. You know, there's a relative space for which that might be true. Relatively speaking, but we all absolutely have to respond to laws, protocols set by the government, set by nature, set by God. And, and that does not somehow, you know, not include spirituality and, and, and religion. I posted um, a survey, really. It, it was really a sort of a, a, a slick way to post a survey. <laughs> and I asked the question, you know, what's more important to you, truth or love? I mean, truth or happiness, not love, happiness. Love might be a, a part of your ideal of, of happiness. But the question was, which is more important, truth or happiness? And it was a loaded question, and I added a nice, you know, gif or is it gif to it um, with the matrix, you know. The matrix is everywhere. It's all around us, even now in this room. You can't see it unless you look for it. But indeed, that is the matrix that we live in. Truth or happiness? Some spiritualists, some practitioners, some witches say, I just do what makes me happy. I just do what I want to do. I just do how I feel right now. And I say, okay, that's good. Until you complain, until you post frustration until you post drama, until you post nonsense, until you start seeking the reading, the help, the assistance from other practitioners around you. And then I ask, 
how well is that working? How well is that working for you? And if we went to a dentist with a complaint, with a pain, with a problem in our mouth, we would want that fixed. We would want that repaired. We would want certain protocols, certain rules acknowledged. If he came at you with a hacksaw, you'd be ready to get up out of the chair. But he's doing what he feels right now, right? He's doing just, you know, he's, he's doing his own thing. And it's interesting to me when I sit back and just watch. Because often I sit back and just watch. And just watch. Um, absolutely we can. Um, just remind me in a moment, hoodoo occultism, let, let me get this off my chest first. Um, absolutely, you know, I sometimes just sit back and I watch and I observe, you know, quietly. Some of you think because of this demonstration here during my podcast hour that it's all, no, but it's not. <laughs> Who will call this? I'm going to tell you, I hold back a lot of what I really think how I really see things. Often, I hold back my opinion on many things, and I just observe, and I just watch. And I watched some of you attack a queen yesterday, attack a goddess yesterday in social media, because she said something that I say all the time. I say it all the time. Here lately, I try and, and, and say it every day. Voodoo is not witchcraft. Voodoo is not witchcraft. Voodoo is stronger than witchcraft. Ancestors are more powerful than witchcraft. I understand. I understand. And it's why I do shows where I'm pulling from documents, books, archives, giving you the, the bones, ego, the bones, the structure, the, the ancestral foundation of these traditions so that you can then compare them to what's being produced now, what's being said now, what's being re- often regurgitated now as the truth about our traditions about our way of being, about our very ancestral makeup. Today, Osei Obatala, give thanks, Iba E Obatala, give thanks to the owner of the white cloth. But we also acknowledge today, Egungun. We also acknowledge today those, those ascended ancestors, ancestors, those whole, complete, vibrant, ever-living, ever-present ancestors, those who would otherwise contract to assist us in our endeavors, to move us forward, to keep us growing, to keep us evolving. And so we must go back in order to, to move forward. We must go back in order to reach a higher understanding. I like to say understanding a higher understanding. We, we must look at who we are, where we came from, the dynamics of that makeup and how it affects us still in this most present moment 
if we're going to ever regain universal sanity. Right now, our national sanity is in question. Okay? And, and I mean that seriously. Our national sanity is in question. And, and I don't mean just the Cheetos. I mean the people who support the Cheetos, the people who stand by the Cheetos, the, pe- the people who are willing to get COVID-19 for the Cheetos and, and, and then carry it home to their friends, their family, their circle. That sounds crazy, right? But, but when it comes down to Arisha, Arisha, when it comes down to low wild, when it comes down to spirit, we want to claim it's a free-for-all. Oh, I can do what I want, and it's a, you know, I'm doing what I'm feeling, and, you know, I'm connecting in with the, with the goddess. You know, what does that have to do with Arisha? And I heard somebody yesterday say that Arisha were witches. There's there's no greater fallacy than that. There is no greater lie than that. The Orisha are not witches. Listen, I, I did a cartwheel in here. <laughs> I, I I know I said sometimes I just sit back and I watch and I observe, but I had to do a cartwheel in here when, when I saw that post. Orisha ain't witches. Arisha aren't witches. And and there are many words in Yoruba that speak to witches. It was a part of that, that post, if you were reading the post. How many of you actually read the dictionary, the Yoruba to English dictionary that was connected to the post? The word for witches were several words. Five words for witches in Yoruba were on that page. All five of those words are unfamiliar to this audience. All five of those words are unfamiliar to the Orisha Romance community. I've never seen not one of I'm not saying the words intentionally. I've never seen not one of those words posted, except yesterday, from that copy and paste from the Yoruba Dictionary. And it had nothing to do with the original post. The original post was about how Yoruba people think of African-Americans. Akata was the word. <laughs> the, the original intent of the post was to demonstrate that Nigerians don't necessarily think well of you, Black America. The original intent of the post was that Yoruba don't think very well of African-Americans. That was the original intent of the post. And to validate their post, they screenshot a snippet of a Yoruba dictionary with, with the words that the celebrity was tossing around in the post. But in that same post, if you just if you read the dictionary like I did, word for word, oh, let me look at this dictionary. These are new Yoruba words. That was lunchtime for me. And I got down to that five words for witches. So, yeah, you never see that. You never see that. And you never see it in association with Orisha. Ifa is nature. Voodoo is nature. It's not witchcraft. It's nature. And it is ethno-cultural religion. It is ethno-cultural spirituality and tradition. And that is found among the indigenous people of the world, universally, universally. 
Witchcraft is a very separate notion to nature. To nature. It, it, it is something that is in, in, introduced into the equation primarily to feed ego, to feed the flesh, to feed what's most immediate, <laughs> to feed what's most, you know, uh, uh, satisfying, you know, to you in the moment, eternally, you know. So I, I had to speak to that. It was in my crawl. I know some of you saw and experienced that post, um, and, and I just had to speak to that. Uh, who do a cultism? Okay, yeah, we can talk about it, but where are you, bruh? Are you going to call in at area code 845-277-9143, Are you going to pop in on the screen? Who do a cultism? So we can talk about protection while sleeping. I'll be glad to uh, speak to that, to answer to that. Uh, Universal, um, please forgive me if I'm messing up your name. Uni, Univero. I agree with you. Absolutely. <laughs> Why would our ancestors hang around instead of ascending or reincarnating elsewhere? And there are a great degree of ego, the dead, who move on, who ascend, who are prepared to reincarnate. What keeps them here is unfinished work. What keeps them here is regret, is that degree of hate or revenge or love or connection to those things of Humanity, those things of the earth, that would keep someone from moving on. That would keep someone from ascending. And unfortunately, some of the more egregious experiences, you know, in life, you know, violence, murder, uh, you know, sickness, disease, you know, people who like the COVID and die suddenly, quickly, without warning, without any preparation, you know, they're still seeking their family, just like the living are still seeking, you know, the family member who's who's passed on. And so that soul can stick around. That soul can be trapped in a location, you know, or, or, or even attached to a particular group of people. And sometimes we call that a generational curse which is a bit of a misnomer. There's a much better wording that could be used to sort of describe that. But um, I agree with you. Yes, if the soul is whole, complete, happy, have have done their destiny, have done their, their due diligence, have done their duty, they absolutely would want to move on. Indeed, that is my desire is to not have to return is the not to have to come back. And so when we look at reincarnation, what fuels reincarnation? Some would say it's as simple as a process of evolution, that the goal is that we would come and live and live to the best 
of our ability and evolve to the next to the next thing to the next level. But but we all encounter events each and every day that could lock us into earth, that could lock us into encounters with people, places, and things that could keep you here, you know, and, and now allow your soul to sort of free itself. I agree with that. Um, the goddess initiative, um, I'll have to I'll have to get it together for you. <laughs> I'll have to get it together for you. Um, yeah, it, it was it was crazy, and and I, I I see you, Malachi. I see you, beloved. Um, I'm, I'm gonna speak to it to the best of my ability. Um, yeah. Um, the, the the goddess initiative. Um, several people jumped in it, got in it. You know, people who are otherwise spiritual, would want to be spiritualists, would want to be tarot readers, astrologers, you know, a little bit of that, the, the crowd got in there, witches, even some self-proclaimed witches, some self-proclaimed black witches, all got in there and tried to really um, make a stand for voodoo and, and hoodoo being witchcraft. And, and the queen who who originally started the post, y'all sharing too much of y'all's feelings and emotions on social media now. Uh, you, it, it, social media is not for you to repost every single thought that comes through your head, every single moment of the day, you know, and I think sometimes, beloved, um, people don't have enough to do. I question people who are healers, ministers, readers, running a business, self-employed, who have that much time, you know, to, to, to talk about, you know, I had pizza and it gave me indigestion and, oh, my God, I went looking for, you know, my antacid and I was out of it. And then I had to go to the Walgreens and I ran, you know, I question people who have that much time and are posting that much information, detail, beyond what your focus is. And your focus is your product. Your focus is your message. Your focus is, you know, I'm a reader. I'm, I'm an astrologer. I'm a, you know, whatever that might be. But I'm seeing more of, you know, feelings, emotions. You know, oh, it's a full moon, and my kid did a cartwheel and spilled a gallon of milk on the floor, and the spirits are speaking to me through the milk. And, you know, it's, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. So she was speaking her feelings, rational. She was speaking her feelings, and she was basically saying, you know, I had it. I I, I throw my hands up to people trying to make hoodoo and voodoo out to be witchcraft. And, oh, my God, they came for her neck. They came for the poor girl, for the girl's jugular. And, like I said, I did a cartwheel up in <laughs> and then, you know, I didn't get into the fray. That wasn't my point, but I felt like I needed to say something to her. She needed to know that she was not alone in her understanding. She needed to know that what she was understanding was accurate. What your understanding is authentic. 
your what's your understanding, beloved? Because I know she's watching me. I hope she's watching me. Um, it, it's right on point. And let me be clear: I wasn't even following this sister. I wasn't following her. She wasn't following me. It, it, it just popped up in my in my stream because everybody else was going back and forth about it. Man, man, I, I was exhausted. I was exhausted, and that was a part of my response to her. Beloved, I'm exhausted. I'm not going to argue with you all about it anymore. I'm not going back and forth with you all about it. I'm not going to debate with y'all about it. If if y'all want to be witches, be witches. I wish I grant you the best. Be readers, be witches, be astrologers, be tarot card readers, be, just be, and be be at peace, be successful, be whole, be authentic in your demonstration. That's all I've ever said. The idea that it looks like I'm back and forth with the, with the witches, that that's just a look. That that's just a look. And, and I would pray that my regular audience knows that. I'm not that concerned with. I don't have that much time to be concerned with, you know, the dynamics of the black witch community. I I just don't. There are too many people who otherwise want ancestors, who otherwise want lineage, heritage, authentic connection, too. And and it brought to my mind, um, I see you, Malachi. I see you, Malachi. Um, I wasn't going to say, but it went on in Twitter. I didn't want to say because the more I say, the closer I get to calling those individual people out by name, and and I'm not trying to do that. (laughs) And I also am not trying to, you know, let people think that I even, even though I just told you, I, I be watching. I don't often respond. I don't often say anything. I don't often get in my feelings about what y'all be posting. But I'll be watching. I'll be watching. So it it went on. It went on in Twitter. <laughs> it went on in Twitter. And um yeah, it, it got intense for a minute. It got you know, they got intense for a minute. I was just observing it. And I sent a few comments to her to let her know that, you know, I agreed with her. Her point was you know, was valid. Um, there are too many people who are, as I was saying, are concerned about lineage, heritage, truth, truth, science, a footprint. You know, some of the things I would believe are fueling why people are so interested in 23andMe and Ancestry.com. It's not enough just to say I acknowledge my ancestors anymore. People want to know who those people are. People want to know who those people are. Even my mama got 23andMe and Ancestry.com account. I helped pay for it, but she got them, and you know, and she's happy about it, and she utilizes them, and, and when we come across new information, she's curious about it. And so spiritual people, educated people, conscious people, artistic people, creative people seek information. New information, new knowledge, only grows your power, only strengthens your position. Truth. 
truth. But somehow we live in a, in a, in a day and time where the truth is, is presented as a weakness. We look at what's going on with your president, the Cheeto, in the White House, you, you would get the understanding that truth is a weakness. Truth only makes you a victim. Truth only makes you a target in, 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 in the Trump administration. But that's not the reality of, of the world. That's not the reality of, of the universe. Even in the dynamics of that conversation, greetings, beloved, as I watched it happen, um, I don't know, Enzo Khalifa might have caught some of that. <laughs> as I watched, you know, sort of this train wreck happen, it, in that moment, it became, you know, obvious to me that many people in that discussion tempered their position to the middle. They didn't go to the left. They didn't go to the right. They didn't say yay. They didn't say nay out of a fear of retribution, out of a fear of a loss of followers, out of a fear of a loss of popularity, out of a fear of of a loss of attention. And in that moment, I stood up for truth. That's what made me post the Matrix post. In that moment, I stood up for truth. What's more important, being happy or the truth, happiness or the truth, and 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 they're not exclusive. Who who says you can't operate in the truth, know the truth, believe in the truth, and be happy? Truth makes me happy. Even the hard truth makes me happy. I can bring. Oh, okay. I know what I'm dealing with. Whew. Okay, let's 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 create a plan. That's how I handle the hard truth. Is it relevant to me, to this moment, to this time and place? That's how I deal with truth. That's how I deal with truth. It doesn't negate happiness. It doesn't negate happiness. And and but but in pop culture, in American culture, in Western culture, because I think even when we look at U- the UK and and the the, the Japan that we know. Um, you know, they have a similar Western notion about me, myself, and I, to taking care of me. I, I want to be happy. And what does happiness mean to you? Is it just that that rave in the moment and that cocktail and that bumping, you know, beat and music, you know, and, and the girls and, and they booty shorts? And, I mean, is it just in that moment? Or is happiness something that has longevity to it, that has a foundation that grows to it? I prefer the truth. So, you know, the unofficial poll has has been taken. I'm going to keep presenting the truth. I'm not concerned if you're entertained with me or this show. Listen, I'm concerned if you're entertained if it's going to show up on my IMDb page. If I'm in a movie, a TV production, a, a video, a commercial, you know, then I'm concerned about if you are entertained. If you found it entertaining, if you found it humorous, if you found it Halloween scary, whatever that is. But in this space, House of the Divine Prince, Hoodoo Central, LLC, this ministry is about truth, about truth. And sometimes truth requires 
effort. Sometimes truth requires being serious for a moment. Sometimes truth requires thinking about things. You know, insurance. Do you have insurance? You have housing insurance, apartment renters insurance. If a hurricane damaged your house, would you survive? You know, if, if a bad winter, you know, damaged your, your living quarters, would you survive? Would you be okay? Would you struggle? But, but those are things that adults think about. Those are things that people with children and, and elders and other folks in their house think about. Those are things mature people think about. And so in that moment, you might not be happy, might not be the right word. I mean, you can, can't you be happy and still think about something that's serious, address something that's important? Greetings, Rob. Be concerned about our nation? No, I just want to be happy. I just want to have a good time. Right now, that's that's what we hear. That's what we see. And I'll let tomorrow handle tomorrow. But when tomorrow comes, it's it's on Twitter. When the emergency comes, it's on Facebook. <laughs> you know, when the catastrophe happens, you're posting it on Instagram. You know, a, a week later. And then the question is, how is that working for you? How is that working for you? How is your, your your tricks and your witchery and your conjuring, how is that working for you, beloved? And arrogance and ego says, oh, man, I'm good. I'm great. I, I, I got everything I need. Oh, okay, then fine. Don't, don't complain. Don't complain. And my biggest nightmare, because I do have nightmares, my biggest nightmare is that you all dibble and dabble with our culture, our tradition, then decide none of it is worth your time and demonize it and go running back to the church. And some of you are prepared for that because mama don't know you doing root work. Grandma don't know you doing conjure. Your church community don't know you, you doing black magic. You only got here in, in social media. And, and, and people are quick to pull at your feelings, pull at your emotions, tear you down if, if they can. And they have very slick sideways of, 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 of doing it. You know, well, damn, I'm not having all those dreams and all those experiences, and dead people ain't coming in and out of my house, and, and, and angels ain't sitting on my roof, and, you know, and, and y'all start believing some of these made-up stories people are posting in social media primarily for likes, follows, and attention. Likes, follows, and attention. And at the end of the day, at the archaeological, academic, historic level, none of that matters. None of that matters. So I, I like doing the research. I like doing the homework. I like digging up evidence of, of the practice of conjuring root work in African traditional practices uh, throughout the Americas, throughout the Americas, but, but primarily here where we are. 
Because again, the reverberation is we don't know our language. We don't know our God. You take what you're given, even though you think it's odd. Eric Abadu said that. And for generations, we believe that. You know, all we got is church. All we know is Jesus. All you know is the extent of what was forced upon you here in this America. And those of us who are freeing ourselves from the chain, who are breaking the chain, who are breaking generational curses, who are destroying strongholds, I applaud you. I applaud those among the sound of my voice who are doing the work, who are doing the work, who are not only feeding and serving and acknowledging the ancestors, but sitting with them and listening and hearing and allowing them to speak and then responding appropriately by action. It's one thing to pray and beg and ask and, and plead for. It's a whole other thing to hear spirit and hear spirit clearly in a way that shows up and manifests in your demonstration, in your life, right now, in real world time. So I'm, I'm grateful for those who are doing it and doing it hard. <laughs> you know, <laughs> some of you are really, really doing it, and, and and I'm proud. And I see the growth, I see the development, I see people moving forward in their self-employment, moving forward in their businesses, moving forward in their careers, moving forward in in, in their marriages. And often those people aren't going back and forth in social media. I'm, you know, I know, you know that I'm a certified celebrity spiritualist. I've worked with many celebrities and not just doing reading, work. But there are even more celebrities that, you know, I may have filmed with or worked with in in terms of entertainment or performance. Or they might be people behind the scenes that you often don't think about, the directors, the producers, the writers the creators. And often I see those people in social media and they have 100 followers, 500 followers. Wow, on the high end, 1,000 followers maybe. And it's not because their, their profiles are locked down or locked away, you know. They're just not active in, in, in the drama. And, and they're not willing to put themselves in a position to be active in the drama. I know a a, a popular book author that many of you love. (laughs) She got got less than 1,000 followers or or less than 2,000 followers, I think maybe 1,400 followers. And she don't care about buying followers and high numbers and high traffic in Twitter or, or, or Instagram, but y'all are buying her books. Y'all are supporting her, her mission, you know, and I'm grateful for her um, because she is, is putting out real material that, that doesn't turn a blind eye to ethno-cultural tradition, that doesn't turn a blind eye to ethno-cultural footprints. As, as it relates 
spirituality and religion. And so I'm grateful for her. Um, greetings, UK. Greetings, beloved. Beatrice, greetings, greetings. I'm grateful to the Bradders <laughs> and, and Breaking Dad. Um, that reality show really opened up uh, my visibility to the UK. Um, and so I, I appreciate you in the UK, all my friends and fans and supporters um, in the UK. I invite you to be a part of the show. You can call me at 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143. If your camera ain't together but you got phone, you can call me area code toll-free, 845-277-9143. Or you can also follow the link and pop in and join us here um, live on air on uh, webcam. I'm trying to uh, copy and paste that link again and throw it in the chat for those of you who might just be coming in. Um, hoodoo occultism, you know, the concept of protection and spiritual protection, particularly when we are asleep, uh, is probably as old as, as humanity itself. Um, there's always been sort of the awareness that sleep is a, is a dimensional space. You all hear me talk about quantum, <clears throat> quantum metaphysics and Einstein and, and, and the like, and the reality that in order for us to have this reality that we experience, that we live in right now, then we must exist or coexist in at least 11 multidimensional spaces at the same time, with length, height, Time are all just occupied individual dimensional spaces. And so sleep is one of those dimensional spaces that's a little bit more real to us, um, a little more uh, hands-on for us because it's something we all have to do, sleep. We all have the same limited amount of control while you're asleep, and it allows your mind and your consciousness to sort of be free of the otherwise normal limitations of living in, in the flesh, living in the body. Um, your normal warning sign would cause you to physically make adjustments that would interrupt sleep, and particularly um, any spirit occurrences during sleep. So as, as far as, as we can go back in history, there's always been some means of uh, protection um, and not just while you sleep, but the room itself, the sleeping space where you sleep, the orientation, you know, uh, of your bed in terms of how and where you sleep. Um, I, I typically have my head to the west, uh, it, no matter the, the shape, configuration of the bedroom. I typically sleep with my head to the west and my feet to the east. It is said that we greet the sun in the east, we meet or read in the east, we get up and meet the day and, and face the east, the comedic science and the ancient Egyptian uh, religion uh, understood this, 
or, or I should say spiritual practices understood that. Um, the West was designated the realm of the dead or the realm of going forth, going to the other, other side. Um, so typically, my, that has been my orientation. Um, I've suggested over the years um, people who have problematic dreams, uh, people who are suspect of, of some kind of spirit visitation, um, to keep clean water on your nightstand when you sleep. Um, throw that water out every day. And sometimes you'll notice that that water will be cloudy by the morning. It, it, it'll be full of bubbles sometimes by the morning. It, it will change in some way as it absorbs that energy that passes through. Um, black obsidian, onyx, tiger iron, hematite, jasper. These are stones that I would have in the bedroom, you know, whether they be on, on your nightstand or on, on your dresser, but preferably as close to your body uh, as possible without actually being in the bed with you. Um, all stones aren't created equal in terms of sleeping with a stone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, you know, the right stone with the right points and angles on it, you know, might hit you in, in the wrong way. So, um, be careful about what you, you know, actually bring into your bed. And I don't suggest bringing more than one stone into the bed. Um, for instance, Herkimer diamond. Oh, man, the most multi-dynamic, inclusive quartz family member is Herkimer diamond. Um, it's typically multifaceted, meaning it'll be double terminated or multiple terminated uh, all over its body. Um, it'll have inclusions. Uh, chloride, hydro inclusion, sometimes empty spaces within the, the crystallized uh, stone. Um, its clarity uh, is above none. It's able to lock in your dreams, store your dreams, help you remember your dreams, help you remember um, spirit encounters, but also protect you um, from particular forces. Um, and, and I have talked about uh, alien encounter that I had in California back in 1991. Um, and I had a crystal on me during that time. And I believe I had a, a encounter of the, what is it, the fourth dimension, um, where they abduct you. Um, and I was on the spaceship. There was a round conference room, a round, almost egg-shaped coffee table that we were sitting at. But somehow their end seemed bigger to me. And my end was relatively smaller and, and more appropriate to my size. They were bigger. Um, and some point, my, my awareness, my clarity came back to me. You know, this isn't a dream. This is really happening. What the hell am I doing here? <laughs> you know, what the heck is going on? You know, but I also think there was, and immediately I was, I was back in my body. Immediately I was out of that scenario. And I, I believe to this day that it had everything to do with quartz technology. And it was something in the, in the quartz they were responding to. And, indeed, the quartz responds to you. It can amplify your energy. It can amplify your fear. It can amplify your anger. 
It can amplify your love. It can amplify your 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 desire for healing. It can amplify your creative energy. So I believe that there was something about that court that both made that experience that much more real for me, but also protected me um, from any danger I may have been in unaware in in the the, uh, process of that encounter. And it's the only alien encounter I've ever had, by the way, at least uh, contact. The only contact with aliens, I've never seen anything really in the sky, um, nothing like that. Just that one, that one encounter. Um, I had bought a crystal anew. I had washed it off with some cool water. I was, I was bonding with it, trying to get to know it, holding it in my hands, closing my eyes, meditating. At some point, I had laid down with the stone, and I had it in my left hand, you know, and, and my eyes are closed. You know, dinner time was coming soon. There was going to be a call for dinner. So your body is already in an alert state. You know you're getting up in five minutes, ten minutes, you know, to go eat or go to to attend your business. So your body is not going to go into a full sleep, if you will. Um, You're going to be somewhere in between. It's similar to how we wake up in the morning. And sometimes if you don't wake up, you know, necessarily with an alarm clock or with a great degree of urgency or, you know, children waking you up, spouse or your pet waking you up, but you wake up and your eyes aren't quite open yet and you're just laying there. You might have a TV on soft in the background, you know, but you're in and out of consciousness. Sometimes you hear the news, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you hear what's going on in the house. Other times you're in a full dream state. So, so, Everyone on the sound of my voice has had a similar experience to what I'm referencing. And it was in that space that I became aware. First, I heard sound. I didn't quite see anything. I didn't have a sensation of, of, of being moved or transported. Um, just sky and, and, and sparkling stars and constellations. I'm really thinking I'm doing a, you know, a, a meditation up in up in space, though that's not what I set out to do. But that's what I'm, you know, maybe my creative imagination now has me in the stars. You know, it was it was very innocent at first, and then I'm hearing the sound sort of clearer, and that's not English, that's not Arabic, that's not. Mandarin. <laughs> that, that's not, you know, what is that? You know, um, and then it almost, again, going back to crystal technology, the crystal then a, was able to translate, filter and translate what I was hearing. I'm hearing it, but then it's clarifying in my head so that I understand that it's not English. You are indeed hearing an alien language. You know, and then my awareness caution lights came on. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, you know, and now I'm open visually, and I can see. And I'm at this table, and I'm in this room, and there's aliens present. I'm the only human present. Um, it wasn't an autopsy. They, they weren't 
manipulate my body that I can remember. Um, and, and they may very well have acknowledged, you know, maybe the spiritual aspect of what we do and, and sort of why I was chosen to be in this space. But once I became aware, um, man, that crystal cut the communication tie instantly, and I was back in the bed. Any of you have had that feeling when you dream of falling back into your in, in your body, sort of? It, it was that feeling. Crystal powers, uh, uh, crystal Linwit, are absolutely universal among all world traditions. Um, I don't care if we're looking in the Americas, in, in Asia, Eurasia, Africa, Australia. Um, it's absolutely universal um, in terms of healing, dream travel, magic and empowerment. There are many stories, um, even in Africa, that speak to things falling from the sky and then becoming ritual objects, becoming empowered magical implements. Um, one of the most well-known is um, King Tut's dagger. King Tut had a dagger created in Egypt at a time when there wasn't, you know, iron in the creation of iron implements and, and metallurgy in, in that way. Um, and this dagger is made out of um, meteorites, meteorites, an object that fell from the sky. And so when we think about rocks, crystals, minerals, stones, um, they are indeed universal. They're flying around us right now, you know, at, at, at a, a amazing rate of speed. You know, they're flying around the planet. They're flying around the universe. Just imagine this chunk of silver, gold, um, iron, copper. How many planets out there are, are more gold than, than not, more silver than not, more titanium than not, more diamond, you know, encrusted? Or we just have very limited knowledge of our universe, uh, and, and that includes minerals. That includes what's in, in, in our ocean, what's at the bottom of the sea. That includes what's going on inside the planet. Uh, that includes what's hidden, you know, underneath the ice uh, in, in Antarctica. And so that magic in, in crystals and stones is really what brought me into consciousness and voodoo at a very, very <laughs> My ability to visit the National History Museum in Washington, D.C. Um, and if you have never done that, it's indeed a place that you want to visit. Hello, I know you have a phone Not only is it a place of great history, American history, civil rights history, slave history, you know, all, all the stuff that you would expect, um, but they have the most profound crystal mineral display at the uh, National History Museum in Washington, D.C., um, like none I've ever seen before. Um, you go in there, and it's a huge mammoth, you know, with the trunk, hairy, woolly mammoth. 
that's the museum that I'm talking about. Um, if you've ever been to Washington, D.C., to the Smithsonian. And so they have a room that has a, a crystal ball in it, you know. I can never get my orientation right on this camera. About, about this big, it's about a basketball or bigger. Um, they have the Hope Diamond. They have turquoise. I mean, they have just stones that would just make you weep. Um, I would spend hours in there, hours in there, particularly once I got into advanced crystal work. I knew that I could use those stones even from here. But in there where you can see them, where you can sort of get that in your memory and code that into your memory, get as close to them as you can, you know, and, and allow that energy to sort of reach you and touch you. Um, it was a, it's a profound experience if you've, if you've never been to the National History Movie, um, Museum in the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. Some of the biggest, uh, most elaborate crystals you ever want to see. Clusters, various colors, various minerals, and, and of course, mineral uh, meteorites, things that have fallen from the sky, um, etc. So crystal mineral stone is indeed universal among all ethnic groups, among all, we say races. Uh, I think race is a made-up word. Um, among all ethnic groups, among all cultural diversity on the planet, you indeed find the usage of crystals um, predating organized religion, predating uh, many of the organized ways we look at spirituality and religion uh, today. Uh, I would say it will be one of the first natural things that man could find, early man could find, harvesting food, spending time in the rivers, the oceans, the streams, the glaciers melting away and, and dropping mineral deposits all over, you know, the planet, you know. And so early humanity would have indeed encountered crystals, minerals, stones, um, and, and felt their power and their energy um, brought them into their magical uh, way of thinking um, even before we began constructing religion. Um, when I look at Kemet, ancient Egypt, and the wealth of, of stone and mineral that they carved and created with and, and subsequently buried people with, um, it's astounding. And we know they did not do it for greed, for material value. We know the, the robbers who came later and stole the stuff, you know, represent a, a changing of the mindset of humanity in terms of value. But we know that this was very uh, primarily for its spirit power, for its magical power, for its ability to transmute the body into energy, for its ability to transmute the, the spirit to another dimensional space um, in time, in, in reality. So it is indeed um, something that is, is universal among uh, the diverse traditions. They are more discussed in some traditions than others. They are given um, various names in some traditions. So you don't readily identify that the Yoruba worked with quartz crystal. 
Uh, they might not say court crystal. They might not even use those words uh, in the language. But those who practice lukumi, santeria, um, you know what an otain is. <laughs> you know, and so the, the orishas all contain otain. And so there is a, indeed a documented connection in voodoo, in, in, in West African tradition, as well as diverse uh, world traditions. Uh, of the use of crystals as well as other minerals and and stones. Yeah, there was an asteroid flying past. Um, that was in the last week, huh, Craig Burns? That had that plat uh, that large uh, platinum deposit. Yeah, the crystal collection at the Smithsonian will, especially if you're into crystal and stones, it'll make you cry. It'll make you weep. It'll blow your wig back, <laughs> you know. It'll 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 make you sit down. You really have to sit down, and and they have chairs and lounges, you know, in that in that room, along with security guards, um, armed security, and glass this thick. But indeed, you have to sit down when you go in there. It's it's bigger than any jewelry store you've ever been in. It's more impressive than any jewelry store that you've ever seen. Um, it's bigger than any blade that any celebrity might sport on the red carpet. It, it's so beyond that. Uh, and it indeed has bling. It has the, the royal jewels from India and from England and, and royal crowns from, from, from various countries. Um, yeah, it's, it's, off, it's off the chain. It's off the chain. It's very impressive, very impressive. Um, I just gave a plug for Smithsonian Institution, the Natural History Museum, Gem and Crystal Collection. It's out of this world. Herkimer Diamond, Moldavite, great for battling um, spirit projections in your sleep. If you believe something's going on. And that's something that, you know, uh, Malachi, I, I really want the details of that. Who do occultism? Shungai, yeah, Shungai is also um, said to be great for purifying water. And there is evidence, uh, I believe, among the Inca or the Maya of the usage of Shungai to purify water. I have... Um, Shungite that I use to clear out uh, crystal balls. So when I work with a crystal ball, uh, particularly with, with another person, uh, someone other than myself, um, I, I use the Shungite plate to uh, purify it and, and clear out, you know, that energy. But you can also find articles, I believe. I'm going to check now before I rebroadcast incorrect information. I, I believe I have the right. Yeah, it's Shungite. I was right. I was right. Shungite. And so it, it's found um, primarily in... Russia, this mineral, but it's said to clean and 
purify water. You can mix four cups of water with one tablespoon of lemon juice. Place shungite chips in the water. Let it sit for eight hours. Pack the chips dry on a towel. Place shungite chips in the sun for three hours. You know, to dry them out. Flipping them over uh, halfway, you know, during the process. Shungai stone is as unique as it is mysterious. Its origins are unknown, and its physical properties are mystifying. Although Shungai is quite plentiful now, there is a single finite source in Russia, and it eventually will be depleted if we if we just abuse it. Um, I stumbled upon Shungite while searching for different ways to purify water without chemicals. I was astonished to read that this stone can purify water naturally. I also read that it can block electromagnetic frequencies, EMFs, and it also has a powerful healing property. These are some bold claims, <laughs> I thought. Can a stone really have all these capabilities? I started to research and found a few websites that spoke about these claims, but none of them had evidence to really back it up. I decided to dig deeper and through much time researching, managed to find scholarly articles, patents, and videos that do offer compelling evidence that the claims of Shungai are in fact proven. Uh, This is my ultimate guide to Shungai stones. I never call anything ultimate unless I can seriously back up this claim. So in this article, I discuss the origins and the chemistry of shungite, scientific findings of shungite's properties, the benefits of shungite, any known side effects, a bias guide to shungite, and the future of this amazing stone or uh, mineral. Now, of course, this is not my website. I am reading from Shungai Stone Benefits. Get the real facts. A case study. I'm going to pop the link both into the chat here, and then I'm going to also post it in my uh, Facebook because it's just that good of a of a uh, of an article. <laughs> I might even put it in uh, Twitter to make it easy for you to find. But, uh, yeah, beloved, I've heard um, and have studied myself um, that this stone um, has been used since ancient times for the cleansing of, of water. Forgive me for the silence. I ha- I can't type and talk at the same time. I had to give that link in Twitter um, some text. Uh, you just can't post a naked link in Twitter. That's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so Sandra C., they gave it to you in a dream. That's interesting because, as the article states, um, science still isn't quite clear about Shungite and its origins. 
I believe and understand that it's, it's an alien, that Shungite, like many of our, our minerals, like our water, came from somewhere else, came from somewhere in the sky. Uh, and so there is an ancestral connection with Shungite, I believe, that transcends humanity. So your ancestors that might not have been human, and we all have non-human ancestors. Many of us in this room have Neanderthal ancestors. They aren't considered human. <laughs> they are human-like, but they aren't human. And so the reality that we all have some degree of alien DNA, alien ancestry, um, is a reality. Uh, we indeed have animal uh, ancestry, animal ancestors that, you know, predate humanity or evolve and, and grew, you know, to become something close to humanity uh, and then broke off and, and then we continued and, and they became uh, purely animal uh, entities. So there will be many reasons why your ancestors will give you that in a dream. They may also be warning you to pay more attention to your water and your water sources um, and, and how you're, you're drinking water. So make sure your water is clean. I'm, I'm strongly anti-plastic. I'm so against bottled water, it, it ain't funny. Um, you'd be much better off purifying your water. Even if it's tap water, it can be purified. Um, you can get all kind of gadgets and pictures and, and, and technology today that will give you the power to uh, purify even your tap water. Uh, and, of course, any rainwater has to be uh, purified uh, through several processes to ensure that it's not, you know, dangerous or bacteria-laden, you know, have anything um, caustic in it. So there are many reasons your ancestors could be speaking Shungite to you. It's a powerful stone. It's also a powerful stone in opening the third eye in addressing and doing spiritual work. Um, I use, as I've already showed you, I use uh, Shungite to purify other stones, other minerals. Shungite also has some similar qualities to pyrite. Pyrite is also known as fool's gold. Uh, so it has completely different colors than Shungite. Shungite only shows up in, in black, whereas uh, um, pyrite looks gold or, or brass, has a more uh, metallic uh, demonstration. But they are both organic um, in, in origin, but don't have a whole lot of markers in them that science can readily identify in comparison to other minerals. Like black obsidian. Black obsidian is not a mineral per se, but is a volcanic glass. It's a product of volcanic activity um, from within the planet. So this could be a product of volcanic or molten activity in space, perhaps. And then Shungite somehow, um, you know, makes its way through, through a comet or asteroid. Um, makes its way to Earth, and particularly this Republic of Karelia, 
Beautiful place, by the way, uh, part of, of Russia. Up in the mountains, um, people live sort of semi-buried, somewhat in the ground. They have some above-ground structures, but a great deal more beneath-the-ground structures. Very uh, sort of a, a hobbit-like village is where uh, primarily this Shungai is found. And even in that area, they have um, stones that have ancient drawings on them, cave paintings um, in Russia by Lake uh, Wanega that really don't speak to anything um, that we can understand now in terms of animal life, um, nature life. Um, and even humanity within within these cave paintings. So I believe that the Shungai uh, may have been a deposit from the sky that we now utilize uh, for metaphysical work, spiritual work, but has long been used uh, to extremely purify water. Um, it's one of the stronger products next to coal and carbon and the other things that we, uh, like your filters that you buy, on, you know, to put on your sink, uh, have, have carbon in it. Shungite is a cleaner option to, to the Shungite. It has 30 to 50% carbon, 3 to 5% nitrogen, oxygen, 67% hydrogen. It has a 3 to 0.3% ash content. Um, so, again, I think this is something that's a product of molten activity, but in the sky that then made its way um, to the planet. One of the jobs, one of the roles of the two-headed doctor, the two-headed practitioner was to heal, and particularly in an environment where we weren't given access to um, I didn't know that, uh, Sandra, say, I'm going to have to try that. I didn't know that it would be illuminated by flashlight. I had no idea. I'm, I'm going to give that a try. Yeah. But, indeed, the two-headed doctor um, had to heal, had to fix, had to repair, had to renew, had to be a, a, a healer, a, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a consultant, had to have a great memory you know, to learn stories, to learn uh, um, limericks, to learn wording that contained the the mystery of the tradition. Had to learn plants, several dozen plants, you know, what they do, how how not to use them, how they can be poisonous and and or toxic. So the the two-headed doctor was, was more than just, you know, a witch in, in the community. The attachment of witch-like notions to him is directly associated with the fear of revolution among the enslaved populations, both in South America as well as here in, in, in North America. And so the demonizing of our traditions, of our practices, only grew from that, only further um, developed from that. Yes, moldavite is also a, a considered an alien stone or alien mineral that fell from the sky and now can be found um, 
here on earth in your rock shop, and it's another powerful tool that we use. Wapani sleeps with a labradorite egg next to her bed, shaped like an egg. Now, I have an egg, too, but it's small, small enough that I can um, get it in the bed, small enough that I can sleep with it without it troubling me. I don't know why I'm always off with this camera. Yeah, this is my Labradite. And I know right now it just looks just kind of plain and opaque. But if you all are familiar with Labradite, uh, you know, if you hold this up to the light at, at, at the right angle, it turns uh, sort of an iridescent blue. And and uh, see there? That, that's your Labradite. So it's it's all labradite. Yeah. It's activated now and you can see the blue. But yeah, labradite is also a great stone for spirit activity, third eye, spiritual growth and evolution. Wanting to see, wanting to see clearly, wanting to see beyond the veil. Um, Labradite is a great stone for that. It has a protective element to it for sure. Um, it is believed that darkness, gin, the devil can't see you when you're using Labradite because of that ability to sort of change its iridescence, its, its appearance. And so that's a great stone to use um, for spiritual defense while you sleep as well. Listen, I appreciate you all. I thank you all for being a part of this demonstration here every day at high noon, U.S. Central Standard Time. You know this is right about lunchtime. This is when my body starts to uh, respond. And when the questions start slow, I know it's time for me to go. <laughs> I don't want to overdo it. I, I, I know it's a lot for anyone to be here for two hours, three hours um, every day. So uh, I'm trying to just come in do a great show, hit some of the, the, the areas, the topics that we want to talk about, that we wish to talk about, and then just keep it moving. I'm honored. I'm grateful. I look forward to meeting you here again at high noon, U.S. Central Standard Time, for another edition of Revolutionary Hoodoo, New Orleans Voodoo Secrets and Recipes, remembering that all is truly and indeed a blessing if you can just see beyond the veil. I'm also available for your appointments, your consultations, your ritual requests, your ancestral work and divination. I am available to accept your request by email. We're starting to get a lot of visitors back to New Orleans. I need you to email me. My protocols for virtual consultations, meaning by phone, by Skype, by email, by chat, it's very different than coming into the house. Let's keep it real. We are still in a pandemic. There are very specific protocols for coming into the house. So don't wait till the last minute. Don't fly into town today and tell me you're leaving out tomorrow and anticipate that you're going to get an appointment with me, beloved. I am booked up most of the time. Most of the time. It's a grueling 
grueling schedule. But I'm willing to accommodate visitors. I'm willing to accommodate tourists. But you've got to reach out to me ahead of time. You know at least five days ahead, seven days ahead of your coming to New Orleans that you might be curious about the voodoo. I get it. You come. You, you, you're in the community. You see the sign. You find out where, you know, where I live. I, I get it. I cannot. I cannot. <laughs> I cannot just take random people at the door without any kind of warning. I just can't. And, and my most recent visitor, you didn't even wear a mask, okay? You didn't even have a mask on, you know? So, no, you, you can't ring my bell and stand on my stoop, which is four, four steps off the ground. You need to be on the ground when I answer the door, you know? And you need to have a mask on. And I'd be more than happy to, you know, make way for you. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Warren Wapani, beloved. Thank you, uh, Enzo Khalifa. Blessings to you as well. Madope Pupo, Ashe, Ashe, to you as well. Until next time, all is a blessing.
Congo Square. The Omus Indians, the Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our host, the Omus Indians, they pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Les Places de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment. But nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de grace cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us, our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, be, beat, being, beating, being of black heart drums, heart beat, 
heart beat, heart beat at this place, at this place, beat, heart beat, beat, we beating place in new world space, beating, being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace, our dance is the God walk, our music the God talk. First thing we do, let's get together, circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together and singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be bambula dance. Be banza music. And sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy. Must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate, whip out of us. Whoa! But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day. A feel. A feel. Without shade. But dark. Dark with the people black of us in various, various Various shades eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember to beat to be beat Congo Square be Congo Square 
Remember. 